what a great Sunday to be together to see the dedications. And soon after I'm done speaking, a baptism of the service is so great. It's so much fun. Uh, special welcome to those of you friends and family of those being dedicated or baptized. It's great to have you guys here as well and any other visitors as well. I'm Pastor Kent, the youth pastor here. And I want to make sure I mention that because uh, Pastor Seth often wears a vest and I didn't want you confused. So it's, I'm not Seth, it's, uh, I'm Kent. So it's great to have each one of you here. Hey, have you ever believed something to be true that later discovered it wasn't? You were totally confident in that truth, only to be totally let down later. A number of years ago, we had a friend visiting from Washington, and uh, he was a college friend of my, one of my brothers and sisters, and um, it was about one in the morning, and we were, had some severe weather in town. It was during the summer, and so there was a tornado warning. So my mom went up and down the hallway of our rooms and just said, hey, everybody's got to get downstairs. I was in elementary school at the time, and, and uh, you got to get downstairs. And so this guy named Nels, who is just a good friend, just a great guy, he's, I don't know, 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, and a phenomenal basketball player, a great classmate of, of Judy and Bob at Trinity Western in British Columbia, Canada, and, and uh, he was visiting. So he gets woken up at 1 in the morning, and all he can think of is, do, do the Hannisteads have like a game time at 1 in the morning? <laughs> what is going on? He said, Nels, you got to get downstairs. Okay, so he kind of stumbled downstairs, got down. We were already already there because he was having a hard time waking up. And uh, we were all sitting in chairs or couches, whatever was downstairs. And so he found a chair like many of us were already sitting on. And he just kind of stumbled over and, and sat down on the chair. And immediately the chair just absolutely collapsed. Just boom, he was on the floor. Six, seven, he's bigger than me, taller than me. And uh, he's laying on the floor. It's like, what in the morning? What in the world is going on? He had put his trust in an object. That object let him down. Well, a couple of weeks ago, we were coming back, and we were just finishing, actually, a weekend retreat at Cooperstown Bible Camp with the youth group. It's called Automatics. And so we were there, and uh, it was a great time. And it finished on Sunday at about noon. Well, our staff was having a retreat at Cooperstown from Sunday evening till the following Tuesday. So instead of me coming all the way home and then going back out there again, I just stayed in town. And the camp director, Adam, and his family said, hey, Kent, let's do dinner together at uh, Pizza Ranch in town. I said, sounds great. So we went down to Pizza Ranch with the other two people that were having dinner downtown that day. And uh, we had a great dinner. And when we were done, uh, I took a quick look around. And the street down there in front of Pizza Ranch is a really super wide street. It was awesome. And so I get into my Yukon, put it in reverse, and I'm backing up and, and going to go. And I thought, you know, I didn't notice any vehicle back there, but I better look to make sure. So I looked at my rearview mirror, and it was filled with a beautiful sunset. It was just piercingly bright. So I couldn't see anything else with the sun. I was like, wow, that's beautiful. So I reached to put my car into drive and uh, to get out of there. And just as I reached the lever, boom, I nail a vehicle. And I don't know if you've ever hit another vehicle before, but that was just such a gut-wrenching thing. Like, oh, there was a car there. I can't believe it. So I punched it and went back to camp as quick as I could. <laughs> Uh, oh, that's right. This is being recorded. Can we edit that part out? No, actually, I, I pulled into the parking lot, went back into Pizza Ranch because that's the only thing that was open. So that's the only place, place a person would be. And I walked in. I said, anybody drive a gray minivan? And this poor, probably 16-year-old kid just gets this ghastly look on his face. He goes, I do. I go, yeah, I, I just hit it <laughs> with my vehicle. He's like, 
he didn't know what to do or say. He's like, oh, it was his mom's minivan. And so anyway, thankfully the manager came over and goes, hey, let's just exchange information. And he settled the kid down and we took pictures and all that stuff and selfies. Anyway, so we had, uh, it was, it was a, a bad situation. But I, I relied on my own understanding. Ah, there's not a vehicle there. That's my understanding. I kind of looked. <laughs> Obviously didn't look well enough. We must be careful in our lives not to simply trust people or things around us or trust our own understanding. Today's sermon title is Family Problems, and in our passage today, Jesus addressed at least two main family problems or misunderstandings and talking about the family of God. Number one is not everyone is a part of the family of God. I don't know how many funerals I've been to that the pastors want to say some encouraging words and know they're in a better place, they're in heaven. They may not be. They had never professed faith. They never lived a life of faith. And yet we want to make people feel better. But the problem is the truth doesn't change. Not everyone is a part of the family of God. Second, there's more to being in the family of God than simply believing and repenting. Jesus makes that clear in just a moment in the passage that we're looking at. So my first question to you is, first of all, are you part of God's family? In answering this question, it's eternally critical to not depend on something that will only let you down. We must be careful to not simply trust people around us or trust our own understanding. So let's set the scene for today's passage. Okay, Mary, Jesus' mom, and the brothers and sisters of Jesus come to where he is staying, probably at the home of Peter's mother-in-law in Capernaum. And they're standing outside while others are inside. And the symbolism here, by the way, is quite striking as you look at the story coming up. So who's in the room? Well, the 12 including Judas, along with some scribes from Jerusalem. It's also possible those encountered earlier in this chapter were still hanging around. The Pharisees, the Herodians, those healed of demon possession and of disease, and maybe some who are just simply curious. So they're all gathered in this one place, and it leads us to our passage from John chapter 3, 31 through 35. It says this, Then Jesus' mother and brothers arrived. Standing outside, they sent someone in to call him. A crowd was sitting around him and they told him, hey, your mother and brothers are outside looking for you. So when you read scripture, I don't know how you read it, but I often see a lot of humor in scripture and it just helps me. I think the Lord puts it in there just to say, hey, Kent, keep paying attention. But I get such a kick out of scripture. It's so fun because Jesus often gives that zinger that kind of makes you stop and go, What? So here it comes, okay? Your mother and brothers are outside looking for you. Jesus replies, who are my mother and my brothers, he said. Think of the guys who came in to tell him, hey, your mom and brothers and sisters are outside. Who are they? You, you, don't, you don't know? <laughs> what? What, what, what? Where are you going with this? Just a nice twist. I love it. And then he goes on. He says, he looked at these, those seated in a circle around him and said, here's my mother and my brothers. Whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. He and his true he said his true family was here, but not all of them were included. And we'll talk about that last statement in just a minute. But for this morning, I want us to think about the acrostic because it helps me remember. If you get tired of acrostics, I'm sorry. Uh, may you come and be set free. Uh, but otherwise, the word bro comes to mind. Now, I've got a senior in high school. And uh, bro is just kind of that term used for anybody. Hey, bro. Hey, bro. Hey, bro. Hey, bro. And it's all bro. Well, now it's gotten, apparently bro was too long. And so now they've gone to just kind of that grunt. Bro. 
hey, bro. Hey, hey, bro. And it doesn't matter, mom or dad, doesn't matter. Carson will come in, hey, bro. And I'm like, mom, it's mom. No, it's bro. Okay, <laughs> thanks, bro. So we're not going with bro because I'm not that contemporary, but we'll go with bro. Okay, and for the sake of that, I use that because I want us to think about that in the framework of what Jesus is talking about here. The question is then for you and for me, are you Jesus's bro? Are you? What does that mean? It means, do you believe, do you repent, and do you obey? Okay, so let's go back for a minute to the beginning of Mark 3 and ask these questions of the people that were gathered. Okay, the crowd started small. They were gathered in a synagogue. Some were there because they were hoping to, fear, or hoping to hear from Jesus and receive a healing or some other blessing. So they were there for selfish reasons. But Mark also quickly points out that some of them, in verse 2, were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus. So they watched him closely to see if he would heal on the Sabbath, because that was against the rules. Sure enough, Jesus did heal on the Sabbath. And notice what happened. Some perhaps did believe, but the Pharisees did not. These Pharisees had no intention of believing or repenting or obeying. In fact, Jesus' healing of the shriveled hand on the Sabbath just deepened their commitment to get rid of Jesus. They were so committed to getting rid of Jesus, they conspired with their enemies, the Herodians, to figure out a way to kill Jesus. So in a minute, I'm going to list three things, and you're going to respond with not bros. Okay, let's practice. You ready? This is the participation part. Okay, not bros. One, two, three. Nicely done. Beautiful. All right. So we're back here with the Pharisees. They were so committed, they worked a way to kill Jesus. And so the Pharisees, no believing, no repenting, no obeying. Okay, a little more conviction. Okay, here we go. Absolutely. Mark then lets us know that after that great miracle, Jesus and his disciples retreated to a lake, but a large crowd followed again. This crowd, after hearing and seeing all that was happening, spread the word. It spread so far, as we saw last week, that people were coming from the north, the east, and the south just to see and hear for themselves. So who in this crowd happened to be Jesus' bro? Let's see if we can figure that out. How about the demons? Mark says in verse 11, whenever the impure spirits saw him, they fell down before him and cried out, you are the son of God. Did the demons believe? Yes. Did they repent? No. Did they obey? Not in what matters. So, are the demons Jesus' bros? Not bros. Then Jesus went up on a mountainside where he picked the 12. Were these 12 his bros? Perhaps 11 of them were, though they definitely had their struggles. But Mark takes the time to point out one who is not a bro, Judas, who would betray him. So that leads us to today's passage, okay? They've come down from the mountain and a crowd has formed again. Last time the crowd formed, Jesus was in danger of being crushed. Remember that? Because so many were pressing in, trying to touch Jesus and receive a healing. Here we see similar things happening. People are pressing in to try to touch Jesus. So much so that they can't recline at a table. So Mark tells us that some teachers of the law from Jerusalem are part of this crowd. They make known what they think about Jesus that he is casting out demons by the power of Satan. They are making self-contradicting statements. They're believing their own crazy claims. So the teachers, no belief, no repentance, no obedience. So they are 
They're not bros. Mark concludes all this in verse 34. Then Jesus looked. Now, excuse me, how about Jesus' own immediate family? Remember, they're on the outside looking in. They're actually convinced that Jesus is the crazy one in the group. They seem like they're ready to drag him back home and hope that all this craziness stops. Do they believe? No. Do they repent? No. Do they obey? No. So they are? Bros. Mark concludes all of this with verse 34. Then Jesus looked at those seated in a circle around him and said, Here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. So whoever does God's will, whoever believes, repents, and obeys, they are the ones who are my family. So coming back again, are you a bro of Jesus? Which means, do you believe? Do you believe that Jesus is truly the Son of God? Do you really believe that he died on the cross for your sin? And do you believe that he rose from the dead? Do you truly believe it? Think about it. What if somebody who didn't believe it came up and told you it's not true? Do you shatter like the chair? Or do you stand firm on God's truth? Do you repent? Do you repent of your sin? Repenting not only means to recognize that what some of the things you do is sin and therefore you don't want to do them or you feel bad about them or you confess those sins, but the idea of repenting is to turn around. Do you, when you're faced with a sin, do you actually turn around and go the other way? Or do you sin and then go, boy, Lord, I'm so sorry, and then keep going that direction? Oh, I'm so sorry again. Oh, I'm so sorry. Or is there a true repentance where you turn and say, I'm done with that in my life? Then finally, do you obey? Matthew 28, 18 to 20 says, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples. Okay, that's what we're all about here at Salem, is making disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and get this, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. The obeying part doesn't gain you salvation, but it should be a mark of that transformation in our lives. And it says, surely I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. So do you obey Jesus and everything that he has commanded? Are there areas in your life where you are not obeying God and his instructions? The youth group puts it this way. Our theme this year is everywhere. And it's the here is capitalized because our relationship with Jesus Christ and our life of discipleship starts here. It starts with each one of us. And it goes around, as the arrow indicates, to go everywhere. Accepting Jesus Christ isn't about just here and now. It's about every area of our life. It's about everywhere we go. It's about everyone we meet. And we should continue to grow in that relationship with the Lord. I've asked Eric if he'd come and help me with another little illustration to think about what it means to believe, repent, but then also obey. Okay, and so Eric is going to be Jesus. We'll just pretend he's Jesus. And, uh, and, and he's going to do just a great little job of leading me around because I, and you of course, but I, will just speak for myself, want to follow Jesus. Okay, so I'm just going to follow Jesus right now, because who wouldn't want to follow Jesus? Hey, Kent. Yeah. Follow me. Yeah. Oh, I will. Absolutely. (laughs) Of course. I mean, we're in a series. I mean, of course I'm following you, because it's great. Yeah. Hey, Kent. Yeah. 
Will you forgive that person for what he did to you? Uh, let's go back to just the following thing, because that's kind of, that's actually kind of hard, and per, you don't really know what they did. Um, but man, that's, that's really good. That's good teaching. Yeah. That's good. Hey, Ken. Yeah, yep. Will you spend some time with me? Uh, I'm kind of busy right now, but um, yeah. I mean, I got a lot going on though, so I'm not, really, I'm not sure when, when that'll happen, but uh, of course, of course I want to spend, who wouldn't want to spend time with you? I mean, it's life changing. Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll get to that really soon because you're important. I'm following. Hey, Kent. Yeah, yeah. Would you read that letter that I sent to you? Uh, yeah, of course. I mean, you're important to me. Why, why wouldn't I read what you wrote to me on a regular basis? Because it's, it's good. Yeah, there's good teaching. Some of that I, I kind of get confused about, but a lot of it's really good. And uh, I'll, uh, yeah, I'll read that uh, soon more, maybe. Hey, Kent. Yeah. Will you serve in the way that I've gifted you? Oh, good grief. I use my gifts a lot in like in my job and stuff. And I don't really, I don't know. I mean, that would be really cool. That's some good teaching there. I mean, just think if we all used our gifts and served the Lord in, in that way and attended you know, discover you and then figured out what we were gifted with. And then did, that'd be really cool. And, uh, you know, someday when I, when the kids are grown and maybe out of the house, I'll have some more time, but, but yeah, I, I'll get on that. Yeah, thanks. Hey, Kent. Oh, uh, what? <laughs> Would you pray for one another? Yeah, yeah, whew, that's good. That praying thing, that, that's really good because like, we're talking like directly to you and about people and loving people that way and that'd be, boy, that'd be, I probably won't though because I'm, I'm selfish. I'm just, I'm selfish and I, but yeah, that's good though. Yeah, thanks. That's good. Kent. What? Would you give generously? Oh. Yeah, I got a lot of finance. I mean, it comes from you, so it's the only right to give it some of it back. But I, I got a lot of bills um, and a lot of things going on. And and uh, if I got something left over, I mean, yeah, man, it's all yours. But I don't usually have. Um, much, but I'm, but I'm, I'm really, I want to follow you though a lot because, because it's awesome. I mean, you know, you're, you're awesome. Hey, Kent. Yeah. Would you stop giving in to temptation? Yeah. Yeah. I, that'd be, that'd be, that'd be cool too. Uh, yeah. Um, whew, imagine if we didn't give in to temp, temptation and how abundant our life would, would, would be. Okay. Let's thank Eric for being Jesus. Now, at the risk of it becoming just another to-do list, kind of a legalistic view of why we got to do all of these things, those are things in our life that I want to be characteristic of me because I want to follow Jesus. I want to obey what he says. Some days I do real well. Some weeks, some months I do real well in a lot of them. But I fall short on some of them too. And we're not going to be perfect. And there is grace. But boy, I want to strive to do those things. I don't want to just say I follow Jesus and it's not a part of really who I am and how I live it out. So what about you? Do you obey? 
One last illustration uh, that I think of is our son uh, is a senior, and he goes to Fargo North. They have a pretty good football team right now, and undefeated. They've got one more playoff game, and then the state championship if they win. And uh, I thought of that illustration about football teams. I was watching the game on Friday night, very bundled up. Um, It was fun to think about kind of that whole idea of being a part of a team and being a part of God's team, part of his family. I thought football is a great way to illustrate that because people wanted to be on this team. They knew they were probably going to be pretty good, so some kids were kind of on the fence as to whether they're going to play or not, thought, well, I want to be on the team this year because they have a real good shot at a state championship. I want the reward at the end, so I want to be on this team. And so they joined the team. They pursued it. They went in. They said, I'm in. They got the uniform. They started looking like the team. They believed being part of that team gave them a great chance at receiving that award in the end. They even repented, if you will. They turned from how they normally spent their time after school and decided instead of going home playing video games or homework or hanging out with whatever, going to Buffalo Wild Wings, whatever, we're going to actually go for a few hours every day and we're going to meet together. We're going to practice together. We're going to spend time together reaching and receiving guidelines and encouragement from the coaches. We're going to kind of repent of our times and turn to go the other way. They obeyed the coaches and the rules and the expectations of involvement. They show up every practice as the team gathered regularly for instruction and encouragement. They gathered together. They made a commitment to being together. They show up early in the morning a few days a week to lift weights. They prepared prepared themselves for battle. We finished a discipleship group just a week ago with four kids in the youth group. Every Tuesday morning at 6.30, went through a couple of chapters of a book by Francis Chan called Multiply. And it was awesome. And it was tough to get, I don't like getting up early in the morning. I always say if God wanted me to see the sunrise, he would have scheduled it later in the day. <laughs> but we got up and we've worked to get in and we got there and we worked together. We prayed together. We grew together. It was a phenomenal experience. You get up, you make a sacrifice for things you, that matter. And this is part of that whole team aspect. When a coach wants to put them in the game, they go in the game. There was one time in the game on Friday night, the coach turned and said, yelled out the kid's name. And they couldn't find him because they're all in capes because it was cold. So they couldn't see who it was, where this kid was. The coach kept yelling, so-and-so, 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 get in there. And finally, he just was, oh, me? And he ripped off his cape and he goes, no, I'm cold. I'd like to stay here with my cape on. He didn't say that, okay? He turns to go in, cape was off, and he's running in for everything he's worth. We never say, when somebody goes, hey, you know, here's something to do in the family of God. Oh, well, I'm kind of busy right now, but thanks. I'm sure someone else will give. I'm sure someone else will serve in that role. I'm just so glad to be part of the team, but somebody else will probably take care of that. I'm really not looking to do much. I just want the reward at the end. Thank you. They and the team are better when they serve in a role consistent with their gifting and passion. And when we use our gifts and passion, the whole team is better. I was watching a football game last night, and a lineman, a very, very large lineman, he reported as eligible. That means he can go out and receive a pass if they can throw it to him. So he went out, and that was way outside of his gifting and his passion. It was probably part of his passion. Who doesn't want to score a touchdown? But he turned and tried to get this pass, and the quarterback threw a pretty nice pass. It was just a little bit higher. Well, this is a very large gifted individual that is not gifted in vertical, okay? And so he turned, he kind of reached up like, uh-oh, and he just, he couldn't reach it. It fell incomplete. It was unsuccessful. But then the next play, they handed it to the running back to go around that end, and all he was supposed to do was block, 
you should have seen it. He took one step over because he's like, I can do this. And he absolutely annihilated two or three people on this side. And the running back just went by, wasn't touched, got a touchdown. He worked within his gifting and the whole team benefited. So do we obey? Do we use what God's given us? Do we pray for one another? Do we give? Do we, do we work hard? Do we study? Do we prepare? What about you? Don't simply trust the people around you and don't simply trust your own understanding. Put your total confidence in the truth presented by Jesus. You will never be let down by his truth. His chair of truth will never crumble beneath you. Never. So what about you? Do you believe? Do you repent? Do you obey? This morning, we have another individual who is boldly declaring that they do believe, that they have repented, and they also desire to obey God by following Jesus' command to be baptized.